and welcome to Not If I Reboot You First, the podcast that takes our favorite properties and reboots them before Hollywood has the chance to. It's a little bit like rebooting fanfiction. I'm Lindsay, and I use she, her pronouns. I'm Tanner, they, them. <laughs> uh, so, despite my lungs attempting to kill me right now, uh, we're going to be rebooting the Ninth Gate, or more accurately, making an adaptation of the book it was based on called The Club Dumas. Okay. I don't know what any of this is. All right. So The Ninth Gate was a 1999 uh, neo-noir, I guess, horror thriller because it involves maybe summoning the devil. Um, was a movie directed, produced, and co-written by Roman Polanski, and it stars uh, Oh, Johnny that's Depp. why we're... <laughs> yeah! And starring Johnny Depp. Oh, this is a royal flush of terrible people. <laughs> and honestly, the movie, like, it was visually pretty but the story was you know okay it, but yeah yeah just terrible people involved um our official Don- johnny depp stance is uh look him and amber heard were bad for each other <laughs> the, the bad people who got in a bad relationship with each other yeah <laughs> you know you know you know the the t- tumblr post i can make him worse well they both decided to live that yes <laughs> Anyways, so what we're doing is we're rescuing this book from the adaptation. Yes, because one of the things that happened in the adaptation was that they cut out the actual Club Dumas part. Basically, Roman Polanski is like, I'm interested in making a movie about, you know, a book dealer maybe summoning the devil. Let's just completely forget this whole plot about the main character trying to track down this... um, manuscript of a chapter from the three musketeers which does play a role in this general idea is that maybe this would work better as a miniseries like three to four episodes yeah they did they they did a rosemary's baby miniseries which was also a book adaptation adapted by roman polanski Mm -hmm. which is apparently very good yeah yeah there's this weird thing with roman polanski and the devil I mean, everything about his life is just haunted. Yeah, he, he, he terrible person. Obviously, we we don't have to get into that. Yeah, but it but it does kind of do the thing where it's like talent and morality are not connected to one another. You can be a great filmmaker and be a terrible person, and honestly, that makes it worse because you could have you could have had so many accolades and greatness brought upon you because of your talent and skill, and you threw it all away by being a terrible person. Yep. And Anyways, that's the disclaimer. Yeah. And, you know, the usual sympathy for Sharon Tate and all that. Exactly. Yeah. So, anyway, the general plot of this. So, the Club Dumas is about this uh, kind of mercenary middle-aged book dealer by the name of Lucas Corso. We're going to be changing Corso to a woman because I think it would be interesting to have a middle-aged actress play, her, play him. Nice. Yeah. So, he's in the business of rare book dealing and he he gets the moniker of being like the mercenary book dealer because he's willing to do just about anything to get what his privileged clientele wants even if it means uh, doing stuff that's kind of on the not exactly legal side <laughs> uh, wait is this the is this the oh who's what was that movie with Tom Hiddleston and he's a hotel man who does crime uh the night manager that was a John Le Carre film uh book 
So okay, but so but but uh, in essence, this is the night manager, but for, but for a bookkeeper. <laughs> in the night manager, he was trying to stop an arms dealer. I read the book and I saw the miniseries. And and so in this movie, she is a used bookstore owner trying to stop the devil. Well, first she's going to start the devil, and then she's going to say, "Hey, that was a bad idea." Yeah. Sure. Um, so anyway, the main thrust is that there's um, Corso is on two missions. One is to find a chapter called the Anjou Wine, which is from the Three Musketeers. Now, this is supposed to be an original raft of the chapter written by Dumas, though there is some debate throughout the book on whether or not it was actually written by one of his ghostwriters, because Daddy Dumas apparently used a lot of ghostwriters. Like, he did do a lot of stuff and a lot of outlining. It's just, he's a busy man. They had ghostwriters back then? Oh, yeah. Hmm. Yeah, and Demond was, like, churning out shit tons of of material all the time. Because, like, this was in an era when uh, a lot of stories were published in magazines and newspapers. Oh, yeah, I guess that does make sense then. Yeah. And he didn't have time to write all of it because he was too busy fucking. Yeah. He had a lot of mistresses. He was very <laughs> French. <laughs> hey, there was one story from early during lockdown that apparently in France this one guy got into trouble because he had to leave his apartment to see his mistress. Oh, no. <sighs> yeah. So that's plot A. And during plot A, Corso encounters a woman named Liana Tefelier, who kind of stylizes herself as Milady de Winter. And she's after this Anjou wine chapter, because there's also the question of whether or not this is the real deal. Like, is this a forgery or is this real? Because the guy who had previously owned her late husband, um, there's been rumors swirling around that he got duped into buying a forgery, and then it's later revealed that he plagiarized his first book. Whoops. Yeah, whoops. Uh, so anyway, she's also got a sidekick who um, Corso nicknames uh, Rochefort, who's another villain from The Three Musketeers. Plot B is Corso goes down to Madrid and he's talking to this collector by the name of... No, he's in Toledo, in Spain. And not Ohio. <laughs> and he's talking to this guy named Varro Borgia who is a notoriously eccentric and wealthy collector. Now, he has attained a copy of a legendary book called Of the Nine Doors of the Kingdom of Shadows, whose author was burned at the stake by the Inquisition. And this book purportedly contains instructions to summon the devil. And there's only one copy of the book that is supposed to have survived, but Borgia claims that three exist, two of which are elaborate forgeries. So, Corso is asked to verify the copies and find the other two. So the main part of this entire plot is plot A is kind of related to plot B in that Corso is having all these weird encounters because eventually Corso meets up with a girl who calls herself Irene Adler. And throughout the entire book, it's heavily implied that she's actually a fallen angel. And she always turns up when Corso needs her, when he his butt needs to be saved. Okay. Yeah. She's this weird, like, blonde, blonde-haired, green-eyed girl, just shows up. Well, young woman. And she just shows up randomly when, like, Corso is about to, like, 
get his ass whooped by someone and she's like yank yank i got you or like she has like the clue that he needs and she talks about witnessing the events of the war in heaven which was when lucifer got kicked out of heaven because he's like i want to be god now so all of these weird things are happening and Corso starts making connections and the big uh reveal at the end and i'm gonna spoil the ending um so the Dunma plot actually has nothing to do with the summoning the devil plot okay Basically, what I think the author of the book, uh, Arturo Perez Reverte, was doing was kind of like a small-scale Foucault's Pendulum. Um, Foucault's Pendulum was a book by Umberto Eco, and the entire plot of that was that a bunch of basically grifters were trying to make like one of those uh, Da Vinci Code-style conspiracies and trying to make money from it, and it got really out of hand. So basically, this is like a small-scale whoops i created an entire conspiracy that is not happening (laughs) that's that is quite an achievement yeah (laughs) well again course is just making connections that he thinks are there but it's revealed actually no this is kind of like we're a bunch of dumas fans who wanted to you know see if this chapter is the real deal turns out it is the real deal Y'all just larked too hard. <laughs> yeah, basically. Now, the summoning the devil thing, that might be real. <laughs> so, okay, so so just to recap, there there is no grand conspiracy surrounding this lost chapter of an Alexandre Dumas novel. Yeah. But there is an actual chapter of the Dumas novel that will actually summon the devil. It's just that only these weird fanboys have figured out how it works. No, the Dumas chapter has nothing to do with this. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> that's the what? <laughs> how did how? It, it cannot be that easy unless they just believed. Maybe is that the thing? Did they just believe really hard? Is this that? Is is this that age old claim of don't go if you go around knocking on doors and asking for the devil? Don't be surprised if he answers. Is this just the devil saying, "Hey, these larpers, these musketeer larpers are hilarious. I'm gonna go give them a spook." Tanner, the only person who thinks that there is a connection between the Ninth Gate book and the Dumas chapter is Corso. <laughs> oh, you fucking weirdo! <laughs> <laughs> it's all because okay so course is doing research into Dumas' uh past and he finds that one of his mistresses um ada oh right okay so one of his mistresses was this uh american actress from new orleans and she was like a big fan of Walt Whitman. she like basically created his career she was also kind of into the occult and that's where corso starts making the connections which don't exist. So that's the big twist. That's going to be like the big twist near the end. The other thing is that uh, this Kingdom of Shadows book, it's not so much the book itself that's important. It's these drawings in the book that are important that give the instructions on how to summon the devil. And you have to have all of, you're you're supposed to have all of the different uh, lithographs in there in order to summon the entire thing. So, at the end of the story, they manage to collect up all of these pictures, and the 
Nine Doors books get delivered to Borgia, and Borgia is the one who's actually interested in summoning the devil. And he winds up botching the thing, and, like, he gets, you know, the fiery end and all that. Yeah. And Corso and Irene are outside, and they're kind of watching this, and they're like, oh, that was weird. Yeah, it's a bit of a weird ending, but I kind of, like, the reason why I like the book more than I like the movie is that it kind of deconstruct, or it's kind of a big lampoon of the whole, you know, oh, this grand conspiracy is going on, and it's just like this one fucking weirdo who's like, I'm gonna try and summon the devil. Let's see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> and I like that, and when it comes to horror, like, one of these days, I'm probably gonna, I don't know, do something revolving around, like, a an exorcism horror or whatever and like actually you know go with the whole twist of no the the devil was not involved at all there isn't even a mm, maybe at the end twist <laughs> it's just you're you're all you all went mad you all just, just fucking fed each other the, the plot twist is that the guy performing the quote-unquote exorcism is the devil trying to get people to stop thinking that they're possessed by the devil <laughs> Yeah. So I'm not really giving a lot of justice to like the actual plot of this novel. I do recommend you read it or like listen to it. It is good. It is full of interesting research. The main thing I want to do, like aside from the whole miniseries thing, is like I think this would be a great way to have a middle-aged actress be like the lead character. And like that's the only gender swap I'm doing because Corso also gets it on with the with Liana and Irene. Because why not? So instead we're going to have lesbians and let the main female character be an asshole. Because, like, how many stories are out there where, where the main female character is allowed to be, like, a raging asshole and, like, not change the, her ways? And and an absolute weirdo who just, who's decided that the devil is hidden in the details. Yes! <laughs> like... <laughs> I don't know. This will probably be another short episode, and also I am sick. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we don't want to go too long with yeah. you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, like, <sighs> and this is a hard to adapt book. <laughs> no wonder Roman Polanski cut the Dumas plot. Okay, so maybe maybe it's not even a miniseries. Maybe it is just a a, a, movie. a, a movie. Yeah. So. What what's her name? Corcus? Corso. Uh, Corso. So I was thinking of changing it from Lucas Corso to Lucia Corso. Okay. Lucia Corsetti. <laughs> Supposed to be French, but whatever. Lucinda. <laughs> okay, so she gets commissioned by Varro Borgia. Uh he sorry, he's he's one of the Borgia? He shares the names with the Borgia. She's gonna put. She's gonna put down her Pepe Silvia board too. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the Borgias were originally from Valencia, anyway. Is this? It sounds like you need to make some uh, big logic leaps to get to the devil is hidden inside the secret book. Well, this book is all like the book of the kingdom. Ah, uh, God! It is a stupidly long title. Uh, of the Nine Doors of the Kingdom of Shadows, 
is a book and universe that is said to have been like a grimoire of some sort. So the whole Anjou wine thing, that is a separate thing that later Lucia, because like Milady to went her Milady to winter and Rochefort are chasing after her for this fucking manuscript. And it's just like the paranoia brain is like, what if there is a connection? Because I know that this mistress of uh, daddy Dumas was involved in the occult at some point and it's just like pareidolia pareidola whatever it's called the whole like you're seeing patterns where patterns don't exist yeah so like when it's revealed that no this is just like a club of dumas enthusiasts like corso fucking flips out it's like what the fuck am- what <laughs> what is going on <laughs> fuck this fuck this shit i don't even want to summon the devil that's old hat now i want my fucking money (laughs) here's your stupid book oh wait wait a second okay i i I think i have an idea though so who who is okay who's who's the person who's supposed to be a fallen angel irene irene so we we can say that yeah she is a fallen angel and like uh lucy's like just powerful belief that there's a connection with something like we could, we can say that Lucy has seen or believes she has seen supernatural stuff happen before, and so yeah. she's all, but always kind of had like just a toe in the waters of investigating this kind of stuff. Yeah, she's kind of primed for it. And we can have it revealed to her at the end by Irene that like none of the actual literary works you were finding have a connection to the devil, but because you believe so hard in it, that did risk bringing him up. And so the reason I was trying to like save you, circumvent this is because I am a fallen angel, I'm trying to get my grace back by acting as your guardian. Yeah. That's one interpretation of what Irene is trying to do, too. Of, like, trying to prevent all of these um, pages with the with the actual pictures that depict how you summon the devil uh, from falling into the hands of someone who would attempt the ritual. Yeah. Yeah, so, like, maybe already Irene knows that Varro Borgia is bad news, and oh, Lucy... Do we want do we want to make Borgia the devil and then just connect that to the historical ones? <laughs> <laughs> that part was also true. I mean, he could stylize himself as the devil. Maybe he thinks of himself as Lucifer incarnate and is trying to regain his powers. He definitely he definitely has like a a fake ID that is Louis Cipher. Yes. <laughs> and an, and a yet another one that's Alucard Dracul. <laughs> yeah. It's like you're not even trying at that point. <laughs> <laughs> what are what are some of other like non-original devil names? Uh, well, Stan Deville. <laughs> Nick Scratch. Yeah, like literally Nick Scratch. Isn't Nick Scratch in Sabrina? I think so. Isn't he one of her cabal of hot boys? Yes, yes, he is. Uh, something, something. Doctor Faustus. Yeah. Even though that was a guy who summoned the devil to get with a girl. God damn it. <laughs> what is with dudes summoning, basically invoking hell to get with women? I mean, it says more about them. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, Faro Borgia can be, like, the literal devil. Um, As for casting, like, mm, my choices are pretty white. I know. Who do you envision as our Lucy Corso? 
Um, if we want to keep it from being an all-white cast, let me think. I don't want to just say Zoe Zaldana again, even though I have the Rosemary's Baby miniseries in my brain. Yeah. I'm trying uh... to go through my Rolodex of... I love Viola Davis, but I don't think she's the right person for this role. No, because Viola Davis doesn't take shit, so... Yeah, like... <laughs> She she would she would summon Satan in the court of law just so that she could dress him down again. Yes. Uh Zoe Kravitz? She's not middle-aged though. She's yeah. still pretty young. Yeah. Um I'm trying to think like maybe someone on the mousier side. Mm, yeah. Like as and an equivalent to Helena Bonham Carter in Ocean's 8 is yeah. the energy I'm trying to get. Um now Zoe Kravitz could play Irene. Yes. What if Pam Greer? She's 72. Oh, she is way older than I thought. Yeah. Because she certainly doesn't look it. No, she looks good. But I'm, again, it's like with casting Harrison Ford as Indiana Jones, it's like, I'm afraid that I might break them. <laughs> what about Salma Hayek? Yeah? Because I could definitely see her as a bookstore owner, too. Oh, yeah. Or even, hey, Smith. Going back from last week, Sophia Butella is 39. Oh, yeah. On the younger side of that? Yeah. So if we had Sophia Butella as Lucy, and then Zoe Kravitz as Irene. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh... If Borgia is a real Borgia, he'd have to be white. I was thinking Charles Dance. That would be a very good pick, yes. Yeah. And then, Liana, my pick was Ava Green. Yeah, we have to get her in here somehow. Yeah. And I think have her playing the woman who sees herself as Milady de Winter is a pretty good choice. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. <laughs> because Milady de Winter is badass. Yes. And then, the, yeah, live action. Set it in France and Spain because it's gorgeous. Yeah. Yeah. And that's about it. That's basically all I have go for kind of a noir-ish feel mm -hmm. but also be a little more i don't know visually exciting funny and better soundtrack because the ninth gate was kind of boring <laughs> as i said it was pretty to look at but everybody was acting so like deadpan like it wasn't quite mumblecore but it was pretty deadpan until you got to the end when Farah borgia you know caught on fire trying to do the ritual and then and then Johnny Depp and the woman playing the fallen angel have sex outside and it was just it was so weird it was really weird huh yeah nobody looked like they were enjoying themselves <laughs> <laughs> well they were in a Roman Penansky movie a good 25 plus years after you know th he was convicted of all that stuff yeah uh, yeah. So that's it. Awesome. Okay. In that case, uh, I'm gonna play a friendship promo that may, or may not, summon the devil. <laughs> actually, no, that's that's me, because I don't actually even know which friendship promo I'm sticking in here yet, but I'm pretty sure none of the friendship promos I have in my Rolodex can summon the devil. <laughs> unless, unless you want them to. Okay, whoever ends up in this friendship promo, if you would, like... To give me a different track that summons the devil, let me know, and I'll put it in after the... No, that's also stupid. Never mind. 
<laughs> I'm just gonna do a different segue. We advise that you don't summon the devil, okay? Yes. Instead, listen to this friendship promo. <laughs> uh, an exercise in digging myself deeper. <laughs> The Room Where It Happened is an actual play podcast built on communal world building and having fun with friends. Currently, we're exploring a world called The Bleed, a sci-fi setting, pulling elements from westerns and setting a space version of our home of Appalachia. It's a place still recovering from conflict, where resources and labor are less exports and more things to be taken for the more prosperous parts of the galaxy, with little thought given to those it is taken from. The Bleed is a place where people find strength in each other and do what is needed to make ends meet, whether or not the means are strictly legal. It's a place where the objects of work and war are beginning to wake up and decide to take their destiny into their own metaphorical hands. So join us as we follow a found family, as they search for that next job and maybe something a little deeper, too. You can find new episodes every Monday on Spotify or your podcatcher of choice. Just search for The Room Where It Happened and check us out on Twitter at RoomWherePod. And again, listeners, please don't summon the devil. Heck, don't even try to summon, like, the Antichrist. The last time somebody did, it was L. Ron Hubbard and Jack Parsons. And the world hasn't been the same since. I mean, also, the devil probably doesn't actually exist. Because, like, the, the figure of Satan is just, like, various mistranslations from the idea of just temptation. Not even a personification of temptation, just the concept of temptation. Mm-hmm. And then a whole bunch of Christian evangelicals got a hold of it and was like, Satan is real and he wants to kick me in the nuts. <laughs> and the second part is true. Yeah. Yeah, Elron Hubbard and the other guy probably summoned some kind of like nasty alien baby. Well, two years after they did that ritual, uh, Roswell did happen. The exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyways, Lindsay, where can you be summoned on the internet? Uh, you can uh, go over to the hellhole that is Twitter, where you can find me at lindsaym476, that's Lindsay spelled with an A, and you can get to all my other social media bullshits from there. Tanner, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at SparkyUpstart, and on Instagram at SparkyYoungUpstart, and you can find this very podcast on Twitter at N-I-I-R-Y-F-Pod. Those are the letters for not if I reboot you first, and they're pronounced M-I-C-K-E-Y-M-O-U-S-E. Because Musketeers, get it? Do you oh, get yeah. it? <laughs> <laughs> Mickey Mouse, Mickey Mouse. <laughs> uh, you can also email us at not if I reboot you first at gmail.com where you can send us your comments, critiques, criticisms, and your favorite Incanabula from before the printing press. You could also send us a friendship promo, be it an audio clip or a proof for us to read. Either way, we'll put in a free ad for your podcast or YouTube or even your cult. <laughs> no, we won't advertise our cult. I take that back. Your esoteric reading group. 
That works better. Yeah, as long as we're only as long as we're only pretending to be an occult, don't join an actual cult, and also don't LARP a cult so hard that you end up gaslighting a poor bookkeeper. <laughs> They're a book dealer, Tanner. Oh, book dealer. Oh man, I gotta hit up my book dealer for that for that that good copy of Animorphs and also some weed. <laughs> <laughs> not if i reboot you first as a member of the corner podcast network and you can talk more about this show or others on the network via our corner podcast discord our cover art as always is by alex and her work can be found on pachu.com and our theme music is done by our friend sean clake whose contact info is available upon request this podcast is recorded on treaty four territory the traditional lands the cree Sotol, and assiniboine and homeland of the metis so Lindsay, tanner <laughs> this episode was kind of a mess i know so that's what we get for recording on a saturday yep <laughs> it's the- that's nothing to do with, like, personal illness or anything. It's Saturday's fault. <laughs> I made poor choices. No, listen. It's it's Ryan's fault for wanting a career that requires him to move on a normal day. Yes. So next week we're, we're going to get back on track. Uh, the next episode comes out the day before Valentine's Day? Yeah. yeah. Mm. Hang on. First, second, third, fourth, fifth, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen. Yes. The next episode comes out the day before Valentine's Day, so I'm going to do something involving love, even though we might be under attack. So, we are going to go on a voyage to a little Greek island. Okay. Uh, but we will sing about that next time, not if we will boot you first. Bye.